Thank you, Chuck. Thank you, worship team, for preparing our hearts. And good morning, Community Grace. I'm Pastor Reg. And I tell you what, today, everybody needs a bulletin today, or at least every family unit. So we got the guys coming down the aisles right now. Raise your hand. If you did not get a bulletin, I would like everyone to have one today because we're going to use it. It's great to see some guests here today. I'm not going to have you stand. Don't worry. I just wanted to say thanks for joining us. Uh, fill out one of those communication cards so we know how God uh, brought you here. That'd be great. What is a disciple? What is a disciple? Can you answer that question? Last week, our family drove to Virginia in the Washington, D.C. area to visit two of our great family friends, two very godly families, and to meet our own Community Grace Chaplain Billy Graham, who this church endorsed into the U.S. Army chaplaincy. Here's a picture of me with the guys uh, at breakfast one morning last week. We have seated at the table. These guys are in the military. They work at the Pentagon. We have some pretty high-level people here at the at the table, colonels, lieutenant colonels, and, uh, and very godly men. One is a chief of joint staff and on the coronavirus task force, and uh, the other is a liaison between the Army and the FBI, uh, fighting against enemies both from outside of the country and from within. And Billy Graham, of course, is uh, from the chief, cha chief chaplain's office, uh, and we had a very enjoyable conversation. We met at breakfast at 8 o'clock in the morning. Have you ever met at breakfast at 8 o'clock in the morning and stayed until noon when the lunch crowd was coming up? Have you ever had that happen? That happened, and boy, it went fast, those four hours sitting in that chair. But we had a conversation unlike any I think I've ever uh, been a part of, and these guys had some insights into the workings that are happening in America, and, and some I'm not free to say, but we can talk about it offline. Um, but more, they, one of the points they made was, look, a lot of the craziness going on in our country is because it's an election year, <laughs> all right? And that pretty much dominates everything that they're working on right now. So this is, uh, this is kind of the, the, the world that we're all going through right now, living through right now. One of the other things that stuck out that's connected with that is how much we talked about discipleship. And you know that we're in a, in a sermon series on discipleship right now as a church. This is week three. They made some noteworthy comments during the course of the breakfast that I wanted to draw attention to this morning. One, Chaplain Billy Graham told his salvation story, how he grew up in a very godless home in West Virginia, had no Christian influence whatsoever, and, and their lives pretty much dem demonstrated that. He lived in a very hard situation and was a hard young man until he was led to Christ by a Sunday school teacher at the age of nine. Praise God for that. Praise God for those people who will reach out to the kids in their neighborhood. But he said he was not discipled until he was 17. You know, when somebody comes to Christ, it's called being born again. It's like we're a baby, an infant. How now shall we live, people ask. What do we do next? People don't know without discipleship. 
He said, so because he was not discipled until he was 17, he, was, he trusted Jesus at the age of nine and floundered and continued that life of pain and aggressive sin. But when a youth pastor came into his life at 17 and poured into him, his life changed for the good, for Christ. Kevin Boren, Colonel Kevin Boren, one of the other guys there, responded, you were discipled at 17? He said, buddy, I grew up in a pastor's house and wasn't discipled until I was 35 years old. When a godly friend of mine poured into my life for two years and started making me the, the Christian man that I am today. Hmm. And then those of you who were here last week heard Sean, our youth director, give a very similar story, how he came to Christ, this amazing story of coming to Christ in 2004 at the youth conference, and how exciting that was for his own life until his present youth pastor, if you were here last week, you remember the story, if you weren't, his youth pastor at the time did what a lot of us, all we know to do, put his hand on his shoulder and said, congratulations, man, I'm excited for you, and then said nothing else. No discipleship took place. And so Sean said that for the next several years, he didn't give up any sin. He never learned how to use the word of God in his life. He had no power from the word of God in his life because it just wasn't there. Nobody explained those things to him until a new youth pastor came into his life and discipled him in 2008, poured into his life. And Sean is doing the same thing with that burden and passion today here at this church in our youth group. Praise God for these people who stepped into all of these lives to disciple them. And I have found it to be true in present generations of the Western church that the reason most Christians don't know what discipleship is is because we've simply not been discipled ourselves. That's the majority of people. And I think that breaks Jesus' heart as we look at what he did in the New Testament in his life and person and works that we read about in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and as we read the rest of the New Testament, which talks about taking that into action in the church. But, oh, we've, we've just divorced our Christian life from discipleship. So what is a disciple of Jesus? That's what we're going to answer today. Welcome to week three of our sermon series, Discipleship, Following Christ, Here and Now. Now, two weeks ago, we opened the series answering the question, what is a Christian? And we have to start there so we know who we are and what really makes a true Christian and what is just a fake Christianity. We've got to know that. We looked at Acts chapter 11, part of the story of the first church that put in, puts into the story all the rest of the Bible's teaching about what makes a true Christian. And, and if you were here, you might remember this is what we discovered. Five parts to the answer, what is a Christian? First is, they heard the gospel. You gotta hear the gospel. That's why we gotta tell the gospel. So if you're a Christian here today, you heard the gospel somewhere, the good news of Jesus. Numbers two and three, you believed in Jesus and turned to Jesus. Repentance, that's turning to Jesus, and belief go hand in hand. As a consequence, number four happens, you experience God's grace. A, a good test to know if you're truly a Christian is that you want to follow Jesus because you've experienced God's grace. Is that true of your life? And then number five, I have become a disciple. You know you're a Christian if you've become a disciple. And we define a disciple very simply as a follower 
That's what the word literally means. You're a follower of Jesus. It's this last point that Sean took on last week and answered the question, why discipleship? Because it's important to know why you're doing before you know what you're doing. I think that's part of our problem. We're always talking about what to do and we don't really grasp why. So why discipleship? Sean explained, because you can't live in sin and follow Jesus because Jesus died to eliminate that sin. So there's got to be another way than to live in the same sin that we've been forgiven of. But how do we find the way? Well, that's why. But the ultimate answer for why is 1 Corinthians 10.31, one of the texts last week. And I hope that you've memorized this text because it's critical to why we do everything that we do. How many people can quote 1 Corinthians 10.31? Hopefully everybody today. It says, therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Here's why. We can glorify God just by sitting where you are right now, by driving home, if you're doing it for the purpose of glorifying God, bringing glory to God. And this is why discipleship matters, is because that is what he has told us glorifies him, brings glory from the world, from people, from people that you know, that you love, your enemies, everybody, to glorify him when we are discipling. That's the why. So everyone, please repeat a couple statements after me, if you would, so I know that you're out there and engaged in what I'm saying. Say this first. God saved us for his glory. For his glory. Amen. Next, we exist to glorify God. Thank you. That was great. And we're going to hear that statement again in a moment. So hold on to that. The question we have this morning that we're going to take on together today is, if being a Christian is becoming a disciple, then what makes a disciple? Next week's focus is going to be on discipleship. That's making Christ followers. Today is about the question of being a Christ follower. Now, here's the reason... I wanted everybody to have a bulletin today. If you don't have one, try to look on your next door neighbor's bulletin. Our mission statement as a church has been on the bulletin always, every week. But for this week, I asked Alex to uh, emphasize it a little bit. So it's there in the middle flap on the back. You see a big, bold box around it. It's in all caps and blue font. Hopefully that pops out to you. This is a fantastic mission statement. I don't know how long it's been around at this church, but I'll tell you, this is one of the things that God used to connect me and this church when we were deciding whether to come and, and be the pastor here. I saw this mission statement and said, I can work with this. This is perfectly biblical right on the mission of the church that drives us. Did you know that every Christian and every Christian church really shares the same mission? It's to make disciples. Discipleship is the mission that Jesus gave every Christian and every church. So we're going to look at this wonderful statement of our mission that unites us together as a church, as the body of Christ. It says, we exist to glorify God. Now, you all just said that out loud a few minutes ago. Remember that? We exist. That's why we're here, living, breathing. Now, how? How do we exist 
to glorify God by being Christ followers. Okay, that's one. Who make Christ followers. This is profound. Let's unpack this today. Are you a disciple? How do you know if you're a disciple? Can you be a disciple? To answer these questions today, together as a unified and growing church, we're going to look at Scripture and we're going to dispel some misconceptions about discipleship, some misunderstandings. We're going to try to fix those. And then we're going to establish some biblical definitions that we can get behind and understand as we go on today. So our first objective then is to dispel discipleship misconceptions. Dispel means to get them out of there. And we're going to purge these misunderstandings about what it is to be a disciple of Jesus. Two weeks ago, we, clear, we cleared up some misconceptions about what it is to be a Christian. Remember that? Um, if you think that you know, if you ask people, what, what is a Christian? You might hear answers like, uh, somebody who believes that there's a God, somebody who goes to church, somebody who does good things, uh, somebody who grew up in church, you know, kind of a cultural thing. If those are your answers, then you still stand condemned and dead and lost in your sin. That's the reality. To become a Christian takes hearing the gospel, believing it, and repenting of your sin. Becoming alive in Jesus, the gift that he's given us through his payment of our sin, his death on the cross, his burial, and resurrection from the dead. So, so many misconceptions about being a Christian, and I can't re-preach that sermon. We're going to move on and talk about discipleship, but I do want to encourage you to watch a documentary that I started this week. It's called American Gospel. Has anybody seen that? Okay. It's long, three hours. It's out there on the internet, and I want to encourage everybody to watch it this week. So write that down, look it up on your favorite browser, and try to... What's that? Netflix until November. It's out there. There's a lot of misconceptions about Christianity, and you need to know those. There's a lot of misconceptions about discipleship as well. So let's talk about those today. That's what we're talking about today. One is that... Discipleship is all about increasing our Bible knowledge. And this is the way the Western church has been organized for centuries, honestly. It's just to learn the Bible, head knowledge. We go to classes. That's it. We, we do classes. We do Bible studies, and that's it. And it's almost like when we can say justification, glorification, sanctification, and propitiation without stuttering, I have arrived. Yes. Okay, ladies, once you've studied all the Beth Moore studies that there are, you are there. You know all these things in your head. Or at least once I know more than you, I've arrived. That's a misconception of a discipleship, of what the church exists to do. A second misconception is that discipleship happens only on weekends and certain nights in a church building. And doesn't affect all the rest of your life. Guess what? That's wrong. Your entire life is involved. And third misconception is that discipleship is optional for a Christian. It's like, ah, well, Jesus saved me, and I'm not going to hell, so I got that, and that's, that's good enough for me, and I'm just going to keep on doing whatever I'm doing. Mm -mm. That is not surrendering your life to Jesus 
That's not what he calls. That is also wrong. Let me stop and ask you, what if being a disciple was something more than this? What if being a disciple really made a difference in your life? What if being a disciple helped you really follow Christ into everything he's got for your life? What if being a disciple of Jesus is the most important thing about you? If you're not sure what we're talking about, then keep listening. Because now is the time to define some of these terms. We're going to take time to define some elements of discipleship. That's point two, defining, define discipleship elements. Again, simply and literally, in Christian terms, disciple means follower. So a disciple of Jesus means follower of Jesus. I'm going to follow him anywhere he goes, I'm gonna, which means I have to learn about him first which means I have to look at the Bible, and then I need people to walk with me through life. Okay, let's simplify it. It just means follower of Jesus Christ. We're going to keep repeating this because I didn't really grasp that until I was well into my adult years. And that's part of the problem. We're following Christ. We're following Jesus. He's our model and our Lord. But what is underneath that? What's the foundation of that? What's behind that? What's ahead of that, where we're going? Where does all this lead my life, my life now, here and now, in the future? And that's why we're going to define these elements. We're going to define three elements of discipleship right now from uh, the Word of God. The first is this. What does being a disciple of Jesus require? Open your Bibles to our first text today, which Chuck read first. That's from Luke chapter 9, verses 23 and 26. Luke chapter 9, 23 through 26. And let's see here the difference between a spiritually dead person and a spiritually alive follower of Jesus. What is the difference? What does it require? The foundation of this life change. Verses will be on the screen as well. Jesus' words. And he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. And that's the verse we're going to look at more closely in just a moment, but I've included verses 24 through 26 too because in it Jesus puts three exclamation points on this statement. Let's just look at those verses, 24 through 26. He says, for whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Jesus means business here. He wants your attention. So let's see what it requires to be his disciple. Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, if anyone wants to follow me, he said, take a deep breath. What does Jesus say? He's got our attention. He says, you have to deny yourself. (sighs) Okay, this sounds pretty harsh. 
what does Jesus mean here? And I think the problem that we have is that we have a wrong understanding of what self-denial is. It can be bad things. But the world is often accusing Christians, and we kind of have this assumption that what that means is, I can't have any fun anymore. It's all about what I can't do and what I don't do. Okay, there's no fun in following Christ. There's no adventure. I have to live a boring life. Or maybe self-denial sounds like I have to be cruel to myself. All of these are lies from the devil. He wants those misunderstandings in your life. Self-denial in Jesus' way brings life. Okay, let me explain. Self-denial in Jesus' way kills the worst things about ourselves and brings out the best. And this is what he works with us through. Great feelings despite our circumstances. Great joy despite our circumstances. Through it, through it all, through the pain and the suffering that we're facing right now. Great adventures in following him. Great community. When a community is all about following him together. Great purpose in life, the best purpose in life. We just have to get ourselves out of the way and become part of his life, his mission. And I want everyone in this church to experience this direction with me, together, as this church family. Self-denial is about changing priorities, because whatever has priority in our life controls our life. So you have to ask yourself, well, what is my priority right now? I mean, I, I want to do well in school. I want to get married. I want to make this money. I want to um, be dominant over people or make this, you know, whatever the, whatever the case is, what is your main priority that controls your life? And so all of those things that aren't Jesus-focused, he says, deny those things. Take up your cross and follow me to something much, much better. So I'm not going to say any more about this passage because it's going to be a primary text in a sermon in a few weeks, a little bit later in the series. But this is what it is required to be a disciple. We're talking about being Christ followers here. So give Jesus your top priority. That's what it is. As Tammy led this morning and some of the songs that we sang, they prepared our hearts. I surrender all. This is what he's talking about. Jesus needs to be the, 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 the greatest treasure in our life, our main pursuit. And he's worthy of it and he's worth it. Try it if you haven't already. Try to give him your life. That's what discipleship requires. Jesus number one. He's the one we're following. All right, so with that, now let's all get on the same page about what being a disciple is. What it is, point B, what it is. What is a disciple? And to find our definition, where do you think we'll go to find our definition? To the Bible. All right, this is part of me discipling you. We find every answer for every uh, question in life, in purpose, in direction, in meaning, in the Bible. So open your Bibles back up to Matthew chapter 4. If you're still in Luke, just flip back a few pages. You'll get to Matthew chapter 4. We're going to find a definition of disciple, of Christ follower. In this text, which is, you're opening your Bible to Matthew chapter 4, and what you're finding is Jesus calling his first disciples. And as he calls his first disciples, these four guys, to follow him, we're going to pick up how he defines 
what a disciple is. Okay, here we go. Here's the word of God. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Verse 19 is our key verse. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men, people, others, however you want to say that, however your Bible might translate that. What they do? Verses 20 through 22. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them. He called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. So what do we see here? See, Peter, Andrew, James, and John were Jesus' first disciples of many more to follow, which we can claim as being part of the list. These were the first. Who were these guys? They were Jewish fishermen. Okay, they were familiar with the scriptures. They were familiar with God's promise of a Messiah, a Savior, who was standing right in front of them. They didn't realize that at the moment. But God gave them eyes to see that he was calling them through Jesus. God gave them eyes to see his calling them, and they responded. They left their boat. This has become an expression that means we leave what we used to depend on. We leave what we used to trust in and follow Jesus and become a disciple of Jesus. Has Jesus called you? Is he calling you today to follow him? Well, let's see what that means as we define disciple. Jesus defines the term disciple as as he calls these men right here in, in Matthew 14. And we should memorize this verse as well. We've got some key verses here today in Scripture. Let's read it out loud, verse 19. All right, everybody ready? Got that? Okay, here we go, Matthew 4, 19. And he said to them, follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. So here's our definition. A disciple of Jesus is someone who is following Jesus, being changed by Jesus, and committed to the mission of Jesus. So it's a three-part definition. And I've, tried, I've looked at lots of definitions of disciple. There's tons of different ways you can define it. But I love this. This extrapolates it down to three parts. This is what we draw from Jesus' own words. He says, come, follow me. So a disciple of Jesus is somebody who is following Jesus. That means they have made the Lord Jesus the Lord of their life and the model of their life. So I'm going to learn how to live by watching Jesus or watching other people demonstrate how Jesus lives. As Sean talked about last week, this is what he gave us to do. It's not just say this prayer and invite Jesus into your heart and live forever in heaven. That's not Christianity. What does Jesus actually say? He, says, he doesn't say to invite me into your life. He says, you, follow me in my life, into my life. He is our Savior and the Lord of our entire life. Okay, so we're following Christ, and I will make you, he says. So someone who's being changed by Jesus. We're becoming, he's making us something that we are not. 
This is a lifelong process, and it's great. And then he defines his mission, what he's changing us into, fishers of men, fishers of people, someone who's committed to the mission of Jesus to proclaim the gospel to a lost world, which glorifies him. So all of Jesus' followers are on this mission from Jesus. And I think God chose these four fishermen for some very specific reasons. One, so probably so he could use this metaphor. It's so good. Uh, we can all relate to that. Okay, we got fishers of people. I, I grasp that. I get that. Another reason I think that he called these four guys as his first disciples is to teach all of us who would follow him this, that God consistently uses the weaker or less glamorous to prove his power so that he gets the glory, to prove that he can save anyone and use anyone. And I, I can be in any room anywhere in the world and proclaim this message with absolute confidence, no matter who you are. And you might think, man, you don't know what I've done. It doesn't matter because I know the infinite power of Jesus' blood. Okay? He can use and save all of us and do this process just like he did with these fishermen. Jesus chose these guys not for who they were, but for who knew who he knew they would become. And that's all of us. So if he's calling you to live your life for him, you can do it. Believe him and follow him together. This is not something we do on our own. We're all in this together. So that's being a disciple of Jesus. It's the greatest thing in the world. It certainly can be if we do it. So, okay, our definition again before we move on, a disciple of Jesus is someone who is following Jesus, being changed by Jesus, and committed to the mission of Jesus. Okay, nobody's perfect in that yet. We're all growing and maturing in that very thing right there. Pretty great. Now that we know this, if making disciples is our life mission, let's define that term next, discipleship. What is discipleship other than the title of this sermon series? What actually is it? Okay, before defining this term, I want to point out that the Bible does not give an official definition. That's just not how God revealed his word to us in a bunch of bullet points and definitions. It's not, a, tech, it's not a, a technical manual. It's an amazing collection of genres, stories, commands, all, all kinds of different things written over uh, the course of centuries, all guided by the Holy Spirit and preserved by the Holy Spirit to this day and made alive and powerful by the living, breathing Spirit. So, um, what he does, instead of giving us just this bullet point and this definition, he doesn't give us a definition. What God gives us is a process, okay, an entire process. And you really have to study the entire word of God, that's what we do during the course of our lives, to grasp this. Everything Jesus taught and did in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we read those, and then how all the epistles after that in the New Testament instruct us, instruct the church, how to put all that into practice, Okay, so we're talking about a massive process that has to do with every part of our lives. That's what we're talking about. So it's not just simple to say, oh, well, I, you know, give me a definition and I'll do it. Um, we have this entire process that we need to learn and grasp and then enter into. And we can. God doesn't demand that we're experts at it by tomorrow. Okay, he's patient, he's gracious, he, it's a relationship, it's great. So this is what we're walking into. But we can still work on defining it because definitions are helpful. In fact, definitions are everything. Uh, many a cult is formed by using the same words with different definitions. And many, Satan uses many deceptions by changing the definitions of words that we're familiar with. 
So let's go ahead and define this. Here's a definition that I have used for a long time and, and like, and I'll explain why. Okay, here's the definition of discipleship that I want to go with today. That is, discipleship is the lifetime process of becoming more like Jesus in every way and helping others do the same. Sounds simple. Includes everything in our life. Is our number one priority. So let's break down each part. We're going to break down each part of this definition and give our resolutions as a church. Here's what we'll do as a result. Okay, here we go. Lifetime. Lifetime is the first word or phrase. Is this a short-term thing? No, it's, it's our lifetime. And if you look at your lifetime, a lifetime of a, of a typical human being, how does it play out? Like I said earlier, we're, we're born as a totally dependent, helpless baby. And that's how we are spiritually, too, when we first come to Christ. We don't know how to take care of ourselves yet. And so the beginning of our lifetime has a more intense period of care that people need and training and equipping. It's all your childhood lives. You're teaching them how to do all these things that they don't know. And that's got to be the same with our church discipleship process. Our, there's people like Sean that gave his testimony and Billy and Kevin and, and all these guys that trusted Christ and then were left like a baby on the side of the road. Okay, so let's not do that. The younger people in the faith need this intense time, this, this lifetime, but then eventually we'll, we'll come up to being a little bit more capable to feed ourselves and now turn in and disciple others. But we're always growing. The process never ends until heaven. Even then it goes on for eternity, just perfectly, which is nice. Okay, so here's our resolution as a church. So we will seek to equip families to disciple their children and teens in intense godliness. We will equip families. Parents are the first and best disciplers of their children, not the church. So we will assist families to do that. And we will make training and resources always available in our church for everyone all the time if you're ready to engage in this. So we're going to create a, we're going to build a resource center out there in the foyer. We've scoped it out. It's going to be delayed a little bit because of the car crash through the wall. You know, um, <laughs> it's a great conversation starter out there. I don't know how long construction like that's going to take, but it's going to take more than a day or two. Um, so we're going to put up a temporary resource center by next Sunday. We're going to work on that this week and just provide resources uh, for this as we walk through it together. All right, that's just the first part. Let's go more quickly through the rest. It's a lifetime process is the next word. Discipleship is not a program. So we're not just going to launch a program. We are going to cultivate this process throughout the entire church. Are you on board with this? Are you excited about that? How it could be a part of every part of the church. That's what we're going to work on. Becoming more like Jesus. It's a lifetime process of becoming more like Jesus. Humans are created to grow and to change and mature all the way until we die. And so this process, we will never stop working on discipleship. So I'm going to encourage you, never stop coming to church. Never stop being involved in your small group community. And never stop being actively engaged in person to person life, doing discipleship activity, following more mature believers where they're going in life and bringing up others 
uh, where how you're growing in life. And that's the next phrase, in every way. Uh, this, you're going to hear me say this a lot too. We follow Jesus with our head, our heart, and our hands. Go ahead and do this. Go ahead and touch your head, heart, and hands and say, head, heart, hands. Okay, if you think that discipleship is only about knowledge, we talked about that misconception. Um, some people think that, and so we just offer classes and go home. Okay, that's absolutely part of it. But Jesus says this is a holistic life transformation of the whole person. Now, some people, some people are on the other end. They just say, um, no, following Christ, Christ, you know, Christ has this compassion, and it's all about just bringing compassion and having a worship experience. It is, but it's not all, only about that. So it is about the heart, absolutely. Other people are like, no, we just need to get out there and serve God, serve God, serve God, but never slow down to actually have a relationship with God or with other people. So it is about serving God, too. It's about all of those things. In every way, in every part of life, and it doesn't just stop there. The last part is, and helping others to do the same. Every Jesus follower is blessed to be a blessing. Okay, you got that? You are saved to be a blessing to other people. Even if it's just one person. You just can't keep it to yourself. You just can't. So please, figure out, pray to God. I'm going to lead you in that in just a moment, actually. How is he speaking to you? How you can be involved in a specific way that he is called you to help others do the same. So we have dispelled some misconceptions. We have defined our terms. And now to conclude, I want to I read a couple testimonies, powerful personal testimonies, so you can see all of this in action. And please, if you have testimonies of discipleship in your life, whether you've discipled others or had people pour into you and it made all the difference in the world, whatever that looks like, I'd love to hear it. Would you send me an email with those, please? If you say, yeah, I, I know, or maybe you just haven't never had this. Maybe, maybe you can share that with me too. Okay, that's good to hear, and it's good to know as we do this together. I'm going to read a testimony from our own Dave Goshert, who I see out there in the audience. Dave heads up our jail ministry here in the Kosciuszko County Jail. He offered his own personal testimony and then some follow-ups um, from some things that the people in the jail and in their ministry have shared. So please listen to this. And I appreciate Dave's transparency and pray that it, it encourages everyone here today. He writes, I trusted my hopeless life into Jesus' hands when I was 23 years old. He made it clear to me that he would be faithful and that gun between my teeth would not. I asked God to show me his stuff that I had heard about most of my childhood in church, heard but not understood. When I went, to, well, I went to bed that night with anticipation, for what, I had no idea. Overwhelming hope came the very next morning as I emerged from bed and with somewhat, uh, somewhat weightless feeling. That next year, new friends in my neighborhood led me in, in studying the Bible. I was encouraged with what I was learning my problem was that I never learned what it meant to follow Christ. I think I just sat back in my day-to-day -day waiting for, for God to be my Lord, whatever that looked like, waiting for God to run my life. I anticipated his work but didn't understand what my part was. As a result, I got bored. No one taught him how to follow Christ. This continued for 31 long years. 
My boredom turned into selfishness and pleasure. My supposedly Christian life was defined by alcoholism, adultery, deception, and failed marriages. God was patient. His love never gave up on me. My relationship with God, or the lack of, worried me. My life situation was impossible for me to overcome on my own, and I was convicted to desperately seek the life God had planned for me. As I was readying for bed one night, pouring out the remaining scotch, I made a quiet commitment that had never come from me before. I committed every part of me to God. I was at the end of Dave. Getting out of bed the next morning, it was Father's Day 2008, I sat down in the middle of the living room floor and said, Lord, I am not moving until I hear your direction. I don't care if I turn back into dust here. I'm not moving. I'm asking that you put me wherever you want me and then to do with me there whatever you want. I will do it. I just need you to tell me and I will say yes. God filled me with his grace for the yes, not just that day, but for month after month. God is so faithful. Within eight months, God had consumed my heart and turned my life upside down. He had exposed his will for my life, removed my addictions, and given me a front row view to his work of grace. As I answered his calling for my life to disciple others at the Kosciuszko County Jail. The residents of the jail asked me, how do I know God's will for my life? In a word, discipleship. If you're serious about God's perfect plan being yours, you only have to follow him and he will take you his will for your life. God led me to serve in this ministry and my joy comes from knowing that I am right where God wants me to be no matter where that is. So let me share some testimonies from the residents of the jail these are from our March newsletter and give examples of what some of the men and ladies feel about the benefits of the discipleship classes that they offer in the jail. They're called leadership class or leadership. That's their discipleship group in the jail. So here are a few of what the residents in the jail are saying as a result of being discipled themselves. You ready? One says, I continue attending leadership. That's the discipleship group. Because I need concentrated study and fellowship of God with other men who are serious about studying God's word. There's somebody who knows they need it. They need this. Next one says, leadership helps me to walk faithfully and wholeheartedly with God. It helps me to walk faithfully. It helps to remind me that I am weak, alone, but strong through fellowship. Mm. Next one is, leadership class allows me to be able to hear the word of God without all the extra people talking, and it also helps me to leave my noisy block. Now, I kind of laughed at that one at first. So, yeah, he gets out of his noisy block. But then I thought, you know, there is something very powerful to that, to leave your noisy life and just be around people and focused discipleship. He's on to something very, very powerful there. Last one, there are many positives in getting connected with others and getting feelings out opposed to keeping them in and learning more in Christ and growing toward him. So those are the short comments. There's one final one that's a little bit longer from a lady resident who goes by the name of Pirate. Okay, and I want to read what she writes as well. She writes to Dave and Peggy, I have found that you can't shove God down people's throat. 
Sometimes just being myself makes people curious. I am a representative for Jesus Christ, so I try to love them the way I think he would. I have a peace that most desire, and they want that too. Well, we started a, a small group Bible study after lockdown. At the end of day seven, there was an invitation to accept Jesus Christ, and it was God's perfect timing. The ladies wanted to be better people, better women, better mothers, etc. I had been anticipating God's work, and praise him, he did. I have been so filled with, with his love for me and for them through me. I believe he put these women in my life for a reason, not only for their good, but for mine. And I would say amen, that the discipler often grows more than the discipling. She continues, I felt it was an opportunity that God allowed these women into my life, the proper outlet for the gifts he's given me. I've never felt so sure of anything in my life as far as the purpose he has for me. For years, I felt like a lost ship floating around aimlessly, not knowing how to use my life for him. Thank you for your love and support. Amen? Amen. I don't know if some of you have, are feeling like a lost ship right now. I, I know in a room this size, there are many. And most of us are wondering, well, what is next? What should we do next? So I have a few next steps, just two next steps for you to take today. The first one is where it needs to begin. I will begin by prayer. We need to, this is where we, everything where we need to go from here needs to begin. I like Dave's, Dave Goshert's words. He said, I, I don't care if I have to turn to dust here. I'm not leaving this prayer. What a great, that's like straight out of the Psalms, right? Just pray to God. He answers. Pray for God's direction. Here's what you pray for. If you need to write these down, I'm going to say them real fast. Just, just listen. Pray for God's direction for your life. Pray that he will end your sinful habits. We've heard this today. Pray that he will give you a conviction to be truly a Christ follower for life. Okay, pray that he will remove the barriers in your life. Is it boredom? Is it a defiant attitude? What are the barriers keeping you from being like Christ, following him? Is it unforgiveness? That is a barrier. Pray that he will remove those. Pray that he will bring you a discipler and someone to disciple. Tell him you are ready to start. Pray for his power. He will answer. So that's step number one. You know, in a moment, we're going we're gonna to sing a song that's entirely fitting for this. Would you just commit to sing and pray this, these very things? Today, before you even leave this room, he'll answer. Then, I will take the steps God calls me to take. There's several of them. They look different for each of us. I'm just going to give a few ideas to get started today. Number one, repent and believe in Jesus for his new life. Because none of this matters to you if you're still not a, a believer in Jesus. If you still haven't been saved, receive his forgiveness that he paid for with his death on the cross and his resurrection. So that's where it starts for you today. If, if you have not trusted Jesus for your as your Savior for sin, you can do that right now. And tell us about it. Be sure to put that on your communication card or just come up and talk to me and say, I'm ready to do this. Second, make use of the discipleship resources coming soon. They're not out there yet, but they will be soon. Decide now. I'm going I'm to get those. Grab a friend. Start growing in Christ. 
Third, small group leaders are needed. Um, we're going to launch, you know, the communities of small groups are where discipleship can thrive and explode. And I, I can tell you, we need a few more small group leaders before we launch next month in, in September. So if you have leadership gifts, would you please let me know that you're interested in this? Again, right, small group leadership. We have a training session after the August 30th service. It's got lunch and training for a couple hours. If you want to be invited to that, please just write small group leader training or anything like that on the communication card. Put it in one of the boxes on the walls, and we'll invite you to that. Uh, whether it's to lead or co-lead or just host a group in your home, would you please put that on there? Next is the ladies' retreat. There's almost no better environment to put all this into motion than just getting away from the world and being surrounded by godly women, godly ladies. Um, Connie is back there. Well, she's here now, but she will be back there. She'll probably scoot out of here. And uh, there's a sign-up table back there. Today is the deadline. Would you please... Um, she, needs, she still needs uh, several more to get up to the minimum number. Um, so go back and talk to her. Tell her what, what's going on and um, see if you can make it September 11th through 13th to the women's retreat. Fifth out of six, just a couple more. Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, or, and or John this month, depending on your reading capacity. Uh, this is the divine discipler. None of this stuff, none of this stuff goes anywhere without this, okay? So there's a goal. Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and or John however many you can finish, in the next month. The first step was prayer. Now this is how you hear God respond. Essential. Finally, come in, come to worship service or tune in for the rest of the discipleship series. We're going to go to some pretty great places, but this is enough for today. Let's focus on these things where God has us today. Let me close in prayer. Oh, Lord God, we thank you for this process. It's all through Scripture. We're trying to get on the same page as a church with, which glorifies you. And I'm so thankful for the grace that you've given us to allow us to experience this, to do this together, to be guided by your word and your spirit. And I just pray for all those things to be set in motion today. I pray for our fellowship to be sweet now as we close the service. I pray for the prayers during this final song to be life-changing and relationship-building with you. Pray all these things and more in Jesus' powerful name. Amen.